0: You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Nerd room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode, number 314, we're discussing Godzilla vs. Kong, Round 2, Avatar, and its sequels, and a new Witcher and Ghostbusters video game reveals. I'm on your host, Tim. And I'm Carlos. And Carlos, we are going to the beyond this week. We have specifically structured this episode outside of the Star Wars, Marvel, and DC content and are bringing you exclusively what we like to dub the beyond with. Godzilla vs. Kong, we got a round two coming up here, Avatar, the long-awaited sequel, just a tiny bit of information coming from that, and stuff that we missed, it was actually announced back in December, we've got some new video games here from my dude Carlos, and maybe even me, with The Witcher, and a brand new reveal for a Ghostbusters video game that looks like it is its own thing but might be picking up some threads from afterlife as well so we've got an exciting little divergent episode here right before we get into things like moon Knight and all the movies from star wars or i should say shows from star wars and movies from marvel the next steps for dc and the next big movies coming there this summer so there's a lot of that to talk about but we just want to pause on that and really take in some of this beyond content so carlos man how you doing tonight are you ready for a little bit of the beyond
1: yeah let's dip into some of those side tangents and just embrace
0: them and make a whole show out of it yep that's what we do we make these things up on the fly sometimes (laughs) (laughs) so let's do it man let's jump over to this week at nerd and get into the content for this week Alright everyone, welcome to This Week in Nerd, where we discuss the latest and the greatest from the world of nerd. And like I said at the top, this is all going to be inside of the beyond. And we're going to kick this one off with the most long-awaited sequel of all time. The sequel to the biggest film of all time until Kevin Feige decides to re-release Avengers Endgame for a short run to again overtake Avatar's billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar worldwide cube. So we're waiting on that one. But as we're waiting on Feige to make that big move, James Cameron is setting himself up for a couple of sequels here. And we're actually going to see one inside of this year. December 16th, 2022, going head to head with Shazam is James Cameron's follow up to the 2010. What year did that come out? (laughs) I don't remember. 2009?
1: 2009, I think.
0: Yes. So the follow-up to his 2009 runaway success in Avatar. And it comes with the same cast, Sam Worthing, Zoe Sandania. We've got Zocorny Weaver, Kate Winslet in the cast here as well. It's going to be all set underwater this time. The next two movies are set completely and entirely underwater. James Cameron's second love next to filmmaking is indeed the ocean. So it only makes sense for him to combine those two things up and make a movie that took 25 years to come out. So I know I give this movie a lot of shit, but let's talk a little seriously about it for (laughs) a couple of minutes here, Carlos avatar two and three. This is something that is going to happen. I actually do think we are going to see it this year after being delayed 400 times, but it does look like they're going to bring something a little different from the previous version, which is a bit of commentary around deforestation and what's going on in land and shifting over to the ocean and providing probably commentary around how poorly we're taking care of our oceans, which is a legitimate thing. And it's speaking through through Avatar likely two and three here. It looks like everything is done. They filmed all the mocap. They did it all underwater because James Cameron was not satisfied with doing what they call dry to water where they do everything on wires. This is all done underwater. Crazy. Motion capture underwater. That's why I guess it took so long to come to fruition. They filmed all of this inside of a 900,000-gallon tank specifically designed for this movie it's a pretty wild production a lot going into this he's trying to change the game the same way he did with avatar where he made us go see 3d movies for a total of like 10 years now that's gone let's see what he brings to the table next but i want to hear your thoughts here on avatar 2 3 is it coming out do you want this man do we need this is avatar going to change the game again
1: Oh, let's handle those in order, I guess. Uh, do I want this? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, I'll be happy to check it out on Disney Plus when it eventually <laughs> hits there, but probably not going to pay the dime to go. Um, Yeah, like, and that's no knock on what I think it's bringing, but, like, I like the first Avatar well enough, but, like, I vividly remember coming home because I'd gone to see it with a buddy, Because the big driver was the new 3D technology and Mm -hmm. what that was all about. And that was kind of the first time that we had really high-end 3D that was done with the actual colors of the film that was done in high definition type of thing. And uh, yeah, I I went with a buddy because I had to check this thing out. And my wife was like, yeah, how was it? I was like, oh, the 3D was cool and the visuals were really spectacular. And she's like, yeah, but how was the movie? And I was like, ah. I go, it was basically Michael Jackson's Earth Song video for three and a half hours. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and you know what? Like, I I don't know that I've watched it more than once again at home kind of thing. I, I know when I got my 3D TV at home, that was one of the big uh, selling or one of the, the discs that you had
0: to buy to showcase your system was Avatar. Yes. and, But it was only with a Panasonic could you get the Avatar for a while. I think it was a Panasonic. Yeah. For whatever no, that, reason.
1: That definitely makes sense. That definitely makes sense. So yeah, I either had like the Panasonic Blu-ray player or the TV or whatever. But yeah, we had it. And um, yeah, I watched it once with my kid. And, and that was it. Like... Uh, do we need it? Like, yeah, I'll never begrudge anybody no. out there from from this kind of stuff. And yeah, if you love Avatar, you you stick those ponytails wherever you want to stick them. Like, all the more power to you. Like I but I won't be rushing out to see it kind of thing. Um Yeah, I, I don't know anyone who's like a huge fan of the franchise. Like I know the one store in town that brings in the high-end collectibles, they're still sitting on every single piece of avatar merchandise that they brought in and you know it, it might not be indicative of anything but at the same time it kind of speaks to what the fan base is like at least in our town type of thing so mm-hmm. yeah and um and what was the last one uh, will it will it change the game again no i i don't think so like as far as technology goes the the big things were like the filming underwater. Sure, it might look different and cool, but at the same time we've had lots of things underwater as recently as Aquaman type of things. So yeah, this might look better, but it won't be completely game-changing like the original 3D technology was. Mm-hmm. And I guess the cameras have really um, vastly enhanced the 3D experience and they kind of take it to a new level as well with the new hardware that he's had a hand in developing. And and that's cool too. But once again, I don't, there's two things there. It won't be something that has never been seen before. It'll just be a better version of something that we've Mm -hmm. seen before. A and B, like you kind of touched on, there's that 10 year period where Hollywood and uh, exhibitors made everyone resent 3d and 3d technology (laughs) myself
0: included (laughs) yeah
1: so uh, you know how many times did you go see a lesser less desirable showtime for a movie you were looking forward to just so you did not have to watch it in 3d -hmm. or um how many times do you go out of your way to drive to for the theater so that you don't have to catch the 3d showing of a movie type of thing so yeah i i don't know like i I know more people that hate 3D than love it. And yeah. quite frankly, I don't
0: think that I know anybody that seeks out 3D showings anymore. No, one. it a- became, like you said, a resentful thing to me because it used to be the IMAX or the the AVX were all 3D. And mm-hmm. I don't like wearing the glasses. The IMAX glasses did not fit on anyone's head. And I used to get reflections out of the corner of my eyes and it used to bother yeah. me. And so I, I did exactly what you did. I used to go to the cheaper 2d showings but in much smaller theaters and at that time much poorer seats we didn't go through this massive upgrading of the seat quality that most theaters have gone through now at that time and so i was seeing movies in in the less optimal conditions because i was avoiding wearing the big goggles mm-hmm. yeah and I don't know. For for me, the biggest thing with
1: 3D is that after 15 minutes, you don't even notice it anymore because your eyes adjust and Mm -hmm. like I'd find the odd time where if I was seeing a movie for the second time, I'd actually take the glasses off Mm -hmm. so that I could try and get the 3D experience back. So let my eyes adjust back to what it is and then throw them back on. But yeah, I don't know. I'll be curious to see how Avatar is received. I know at least on this side of the pond, it's a, it's almost a bit of a joke, so
0: mm-hmm. well, and I think, like, with the technology, just pulling on that thread a little bit, I think at the time, if it was used for specific films as an event style of viewing, as an immersive experience, and not with every single film, like, did mm-hmm. we need a jackass movie in 3D? Probably not. <laughs> There's movies that aren't developed and they go through post conversion and actually potentially degrade the experience and the quality of it because they've gone through something that wasn't shot specifically to be that all-immersive experience that Avatar was. And so I think for Avatar, it I don't remember it, but it was probably awesome, the first experience of it. And if it was left to specific films being developed for 3D, I think I probably could have bought more into it, but it just became a blanket thing because they could upcharge it as well. They could charge you an extra, what it was it, four or five bucks for a ticket because it was 3D. It was meant to be a better experience. So that always kind of frustrated me. But on on the, the game-changing side of it, I find it interesting because I look at George Lucas and what he did with the original Star Wars trilogy. And then he did quite a few years later, right? Like, very similar time frame. Like, it goes from 83 to 99. And I guess mm-hmm. you can count, like, 97 in that, where he's redeveloping technology, revisiting a franchise. Yes, he did complete his story. This one was never completed, but... When you look at on the technological development side of things, he goes into the Phantom Menace and what he did with the special edition and changed the game again there when it comes to visual effects and shooting on the big, massive blue and green screens and imprinting everything in the background. Like a lot of things do that now. That is basically common practice for a lot of these big films. And so Lucas changed the game twice, 20 years apart or whatever it was, right? And so I'm interested to see if Cameron can do that, can have this nice touch with the underwater stuff. I think the difference that we might see, and to the eye, to the GA, probably not, is his whole concept of the underwater filming was that you got the nuances of the performers, however they captured it, actually underwater. And don't know exactly what that means or how that translates or how that's any different. man.
1: I don't buy that for a second. It's not like you're seeing their actual face like Zoe Saldana. She doesn't look like a blue cat. So like the nuances of the performance, what a load of malarkey because
0: that's him selling the craft, man. That's him selling the 10 years of technological development in this EW spread from December that, I never saw until yesterday when you sent it to me. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Your Lucas point, it's salient though, because if you look at, you know, this is a guy who defined kind of modern mm-hmm. blockbuster filmmaking. Twice. With, yeah. With, but with the original Star Wars trilogy, mm-hmm. but then you look at what the second one, the second uh, set did as far as the prequel trilogy goes, like it kind of petered out by the time you got to episodes two and three. Like, I remember being big news that Spider-Man 2 pantsed, I forget which movie it came out against, Revenge of the Sith, maybe? But it, like, the box office wasn't even close, and I was like, man, I can't believe that Sony not only came out with a movie to compete against a Star Wars movie, but they're actually going to win the fight kind of thing. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I... Who knows, a similar dynamic might play out with with Avatar where it's just like... And Avatar is not nearly as beloved a franchise as Star Wars. Like, it's, it's no. not even close,
0: so... No, and, like, to also go back to the comment you made about the merchandise. I'm sure Avatar merchandise exists, but when you scale it against, like, Endgame or any other sizable franchise that has billions of dollars worth of merchandise out there, I... Couldn't even tell you. I don't even think I've ever even seen anything. I remember when I saw Avatar. I was living in the UK in 2009. And I remember going to this shop I used to go to that sold posters. And I remember picking up a one of those film cell where it has like the movie poster and a, like a film cell to it. I remember picking up and being like, this seems like, I don't want to buy this, but this seems like a wise investment. So I bought it. And like, I can't, I can't get, I can't, I have to gonna give it away. I've tried to sell it numerous times. No one wants it, <laughs> but that's the only merchandise that I own. If you can classify that as, as true merchandise, but like action figures and all that, like, is this a marketable film? Like when you go to down to Disney world into the avatar land, it's really cool. Like the rides or both of them are great. And this really immersive experience into the avatar land. And so they, they've, done well on that part of it, but to see it reflected in the toy stores in the same way that your DC films or your Marvel films are, I don't know. I've Who even owns the licensed Avatar?
1: It'd be Disney, right? It was
0: like a Fox thing, so...
1: Yeah, but like, is is
0: Hasbro making figures or Mattel or who? Oh,
1: Yeah, that I don't know. Like, it just... For me personally, it's just so far off the radar. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just... You know, I... And I feel like I'm bagging on it, and I'm not. But it's just kind of there. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's just not It's not something that captured me or mine. And it's like, yeah, this is here. It's cool. But it's not something that lit my imagination on fire. And the, the story, it's not something that we haven't seen done before. Um, And, like, I made that analogy to the Earth Song video, but that was honestly my impression of the movie and that is truly what i said to her when i walked back in the door so yeah between mj and uh dances with wolves i think we've got avatar covered but is what it is let's see what happens well that's it right
0: we we can sit back and and enjoy it immerse ourselves in it for a night or two or wherever it drops whenever it drops on disney plus and then there's going to be a follow-up, a third film in 2024, a fourth in 2026, and a fifth in 2028. So avatars can become a, a, a part of our lives.
1: <laughs> yeah, And who knows? Maybe this will be the biggest thing ever. Maybe people will abandon Marvel and DC come December, and people are walking around in blue body paint with ponytails. Sure, man. You just never know.
0: Might be me. You don't have a tendency to swing from franchise to franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I get all immersed in it. But we will and potentially could – Get I shouldn't say will but potentially could get our first look at Avatar in front of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness so this may that's the rumor out there right now is when the first trailer from this long-awaited film is going to drop so or a good look at what James Cameron is going to bring to screen here with Avatar too so look out for that guys in front of one of Marvel's biggest films of this year so. There it is, man. There it is. Let's let's move on to something uh and inject <laughs> I know we take the piss out of Avatar, but it's just it's kinda of fun, I'm sorry. But let's eject a little bit more positivity into the to the feed here right now and talk about some video games. Now, I'm not a gamer, I'm not Troy. I'm not here, I'm not gonna pretend that i am the the gamer guy i like to sit on the periphery and watch the trailers and stuff that's that's what it is for me but carlos talk to me about one of the the first game here that we're going to discuss in the next entry into the witcher franchise on the video game side you've been collecting the figs you've been watching the tv shows you've been playing the game we've got i guess which number is this number four
1: well, this will be like the fourth game that they've done, but it'll be something completely new. So yeah, like over the pandemic, I went all in on immersing myself in the continent, and <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think that there's anything left that I haven't, uh, I haven't scratched. I've read all the books, read Devour all the comics. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I haven't read a book series that fast ever. Um, but yeah, this uh, they announced that they're gonna be doing a new Witcher saga, and Project uh, or CD Project Red is made the announcement themselves, so it, it's official uh, that they're gonna be doing it. But uh, interesting, they're gonna be doing it with Epic Games, who is probably most famous for the Fortnite franchise, but also they did Gears of War, so. It'll be interesting to see what happens the uh teaser image that they showed so with the witchers there's different schools of witchers so there's like geralt our main witcher that we followed since the inception of the franchise is part of the school of the wolf but there's like the school of the viper and manticore and so on and so forth but uh my read on this medallion that they had in the snow was that it looks like a cat so I think it's going to be based on the School of the Cat, which is a pretty interesting school. So uh, they're kind of the one witcher school that would train assassins, which was a bit of a deviation from... They all have kind of different mm-hmm. um, levels from kind of that knighthood and where they're kind of honor and what they will and will not do type of thing With with kind of wolf and the griffin kind of being the most noble and the most traditional kind of thing and then each one has deviations from there but uh yeah the school of the cat they're assassin based or they they will train assassins which is something the other witcher schools won't do and uh interestingly they're the one witcher school that uh actually trained females as witchers so i think there's some cool stuff that they could do there and uh you know honestly like we talk about like Star Wars fans being toxic and Star Trek fans being toxic and Marvel fans being crazy and DC fans being crazy. Like, man, the stuff that I have seen around Witcher lore, when they take deviations from what appeared in the books or the games, it's crazy. So I'm <laughs> glad that they are doing something that really doesn't have a ton of like it exists. And there's a few little pieces to guide them along, but, the world is their oyster with where they want to take it, what the characters will look like, what the characters will act like, who they use, if there's males, females, whatever. Um, you want those characters to be like, and I think they've set themselves up to have success by approaching it that way. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. They're they're moving off the engine that they had used before, and they're moving to the... Um, to the Unreal Engine, which is kind of cool. So the Red Engine that they developed, I think it's going to still exist for Cyberpunk 2077, but uh, they're going to use the Unreal Engine, which is unreal. Like, it's so unbelievably impressive. And uh, for anybody out there with, like, a PS5 or um, an Xbox Series S or X that hasn't done it, you should download, there's a Matrix... um, Revelations, like, demo that you can download for free. And it has... It, it's kind of cool. It has Keanu and Carrie-Anne Moss, and they walk you through the evolution of the technology and stuff. And then they actually dump you into, like, a little Matrix mini game, But it's just to yeah. show off the Unreal Engine. And then at the end of the mini game, you're actually walking around this fully realized city. And it's just a tech demo. Like, you can pull off layers of animation, and you can have it go wireframe and you can see all the different um, things that this technology can do. But to have games set in that is is pretty exciting and immersive with the new technology. So, yeah, to have folks that can do a great game like CD Projekt Red ahead in this thing. But then having a studio like Epic Games guiding them along so that they can have the technology and gameplay side nailed down so we don't have another cyberpunk 2077 situation that's (laughs) that's pretty exciting for me and just to be able to jump back into this world which is pretty interesting but with all new characters and you know if they cross over with the school of the wolf you're there and who knows maybe if you fight Geralt or you team up with him I think that'd be enough like I as much as he's my boy I'm just like the skywalkers in in star wars like it's a it's a big world it's a big universe so let's explore different corners of it
0: very cool very good do we have a date on when this is expected is this just launching or are they well into development on this game
1: i'm gonna suggest that they've taken a few steps but it's gonna be a few years out i'm sure Well, that's the Um, thing that
0: always blows my mind. I guess it's not too dissimilar from time frames for movies almost, probably a little longer. But some of these game announcements drop, and it's like, this is going to be awesome. Here's a tiny little snippet. We'll see you in 2026. It's like, holy moly. (laughs) That's a long time to wait for a video game. Oh, I know, man. Like,
1: Ubisoft announced their Star Wars license 2019. And they're talking like 2025 for the first game that we'll see from it. so
0: wild. I guess like I don't really appreciate the time and effort in the same way maybe I do with film production. Like I'm not, I've never been on a film set or anything, but I think I have at least a scope as to what goes into it in the timeline based off the coverage that we do. But I have none of that for video games. I have no appreciation for it whatsoever. Yeah.
1: Well, then there's just so many layers to it, right? And the... bigger more immersive more expensive Mm -hmm. like these games are wildly expensive but um the deeper the game is the longer it takes to make so we shall see what happens
0: i don't know man it's not all it's definitely not made for me but i'm i love to see that fans of those franchises like yourself are getting more content from from the universe both on the video game side and of course what they continue to do over on netflix and i'm sure everything else is continuing to roll because it's a it's a franchise that I don't have any eyes on whatsoever, but there's a seems to be a quite a large fan base, <laughs> oh yeah,
1: well, and like Netflix is on their like second live action show, and they've mm-hmm. been doing like anime stuff too, so that series has been quite the coup for them and yeah, the comics are rocking and rolling, so we'll see what happens Pretty going cool. forward, yeah, Pretty and cool. to think it it just like was born out of some Polish fanzine. <laughs> guy, guy who was writing short stories and then decided to kind of smash them together and make a bit of a continuity. And yeah, it, it, it's fascinating. And it's it, honestly, it's, it's a case study in something existing and then becoming something else, and then trying to retcon and massage things into being a linear timeline. And it just doesn't work. Like,. <laughs> The, the first Witcher game is kind of an adaptation of the book, but it's also completely choose-your-own-adventure, so you can take it in a totally different direction. And then the second game is diametrically opposed to most things that happen in the book. And then <laughs> the third game is like almost a direct sequel to the books. It's weird, but I love it.
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Excited for you. Excited for you. Now another game is going to be dropping, I guess, within this year, maybe? Maybe next year. I'm not too sure. But it is a Ghostbusters game. I'm not sure if this is a follow-up to the game that came out like a maybe a decade ago. I'm not sure exactly when the last true Ghostbusters game came out. But Ghostbusters Spirit Unleashed trailer dropped onto us today. Surprise trailer, which gave us a look at what this game is actually going to be, both in story and in look. And I got to say, it looks pretty cool. You know, I'm, I'm here all day for Ghostbusters, especially when you got both ernie hudson's Winston edmore and dan aykroyd's race stance making cameo or even maybe more influential appearances in this game and we've got a whole new ghost crew it feels like a little bit of what they set up in afterlife i'm not i'm not saying it is a sequel to afterlife or inside of that continuity but it's got a very similar feel to i think what we all thought was potentially going to come out of the back end of afterlife where you have a new set of guys ernie hudson's Winston Zedmore running the show a little bit using ray to kind of drop in there as being a bit of your uh, master of everything and dude it's pretty simple it looks like you're out there busting ghosts throw on the proton pack get your PKE meter out get your ghost trap and then go grab some ghosts but they do i guess flip it here where you can be the ghost as well and play from the ghost perspective and so they kind of really make a point of that in this trailer that you can play from both sides it's only half of it being on this. And so expanding the lore, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. You know what? I'm probably never going to play it, but I'm here to watch all the cutscenes and see what other people think about it. But from a gamer like yourself, Ghostbuster Spirit Unleashed, man. Is this something that, that intrigues you? Is it the story? Is it the look?
1: Yeah, I, I wonder how much story it'll have. It certainly had the sense or gave me the sense that it's a player versus player type of thing mm-hmm. where you're going into different maps and busting some ghosts with your buddies, but that could be pretty fun. And especially yeah. if you're playing a group of people that are actively the ghosts, that's pretty yeah. amazing too. So yeah, it could be cool. And uh, hopefully there's a bit of couch co-op as well. And and like, who knows, maybe we can have a get together here and play oh, some sweet. ghostbusters all together or like do a team up and Troy and Sonny can join from um, his console. And off we go is the four Ghostbusters, but I do like how, like you said, it it seems to pick up some of the threads from Afterlife, and mm-hmm. you have Winston is kind of the financier and the guy who's been given the job of carrying the backstory for the Ghostbusters and who's <laughs> running the different crews, and then yeah, Dan Aykroyd out of his shop has the uh, what is it, Tobin Spirit Guide that I think yeah. you entered to become the ghost, so. Yeah, it, I I love anything like that that it really embraces the source material and yeah, it's it's probably not going to be as deep or, or immersive as something like The Witcher, but at the same time, like these type of games are the ones that if they're done well and if they're fun, they can last into perpetuity where mm-hmm. you know, you just want to scratch that Ghostbusters itch and off you go and do a bit of Ghostbusting. So, yeah, as long as that gameplay is is fun, man, I can see this really cat capturing people. And yeah, who knows? Who knows what we'll get out of it?
0: Well, the, the franchise itself, for lack of a better term, got new life breathed into it this past year. And we're going forward full on, right? Toys are back on shelves. Movies are hitting. Kids loved it. Adults loved it. We're likely getting sequels. I would guess that at some point, there's got to be a cartoon or something coming down. This this whole idea and concept of Sony building out the Ghostbusters franchise, I think, is inevitable at this point. And having a game to supplement all the other stuff just makes perfect sense for it.
1: Yeah, totally. And if you're gonna try and capture that new generation of kids, like, yeah. what better game to emulate than Fortnite? So, exactly. If you got kind of a Fortnitey Ghostbuster game, brilliant. Why not? Yeah.
0: Now, talk to me a little bit about the graphics, because that's the thing that I don't really have a super tight gauge on as to how this looks where when i look when i looked at it, i was like ah this looks all right like ray and winston looked all right i don't know if they're supposed to look real inside of these engines or if it has this like uncanny valley feeling to it or is it supposed to be of the animation right when it comes to gaming like how close are they trying to get to real life are they trying to perfectly emulate these things Or is it trying to take its own animation style, its own style, like a movie or uh, an animated feature would?
1: Yeah, like I think you have the ability to get completely photorealistic and um, some really highly detailed graphics, but I don't think that this game is going for that. Like Mm -hmm. it looked to have a bit more of a stylized look. Yeah, and that was my feel. um, Yeah, and it's not really about that really deep, immersive type of play, right? Where you're worried about lighting and water Mm -hmm. physics and all that kind of thing. It's, it's about getting in there and having some fun channeling your inner Ghostbusters. So yeah, with, with graphics, they're just really time consuming and really expensive to nail down. So it all depends on the type of game that you're making, right? Something like Elden Ring, you're going to spend the time with that or, um, ghost tsushima but something like ghostbusters it's probably more about just the gameplay and having fun with your buddies so
0: cool i can dig that i can dig that awesome awesome well let's let's do it man let's do a little co-op let's get the boys let's put the proton packs on and then do this split the cost of the download and go from there (laughs) i think i could i could mash some buttons because to be honest with you being a a non-gamer i will call myself This past week, my wife came out to me and said, should we buy this? And on Amazon for like 20 bucks was the bootleg Nintendo tiny thing with like 600 games on it. Oh, okay. And she bought it and it arrived and we're just like mashing buttons playing Ninja Turtles 1 and all these like Donkey Kong and all this stuff from the original, not Super Nintendo, original Nintendo, if I said Super Nintendo. So that's okay. the first video game i played in, in years, years. I would even say close to probably a decade since I mashed a button.
1: Cool. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, and there's something to be said for those retro games. Like there's, yeah, they just, they're little time machines. Where... Oh, yeah.
0: What about like the Turtles game that I popped up was the first thing that really shot me back where I remember my cousins playing with me sitting there watching them. And I, when I first pulled up, I was like, this is definitely bootleg. It was being twenty dollars. This was not legit. <laughs> Came from Amazon, so it's coming from a company that hasn't been sued yet because of it. But hmm. I, I, got on and it's. It looks like it's like it's all like all the titles and everything are in in Japanese. I think, and I'm playing this. I'm like I don't remember enough if this is exactly it or if they've taken something and just dropped the turtles. But I, I'm pretty sure it was the original turtles on it. But but it's like the Nintendo game, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly oh, into the side scroller and the graphics. I couldn't tell like had if they changed the music to make sure. I don't know, but it all didn't feel right. Like it's above board. We didn't buy it from like some guy's trunk or something. <laughs> yeah, I remember that
1: game being like crazy hard, and I wonder if that's the easy. one where. Yeah,
0: it's Th- on the one- map, and like you're this little guy on a map, and like you go into the sewer, and so it's like a little like Zelda looking thing. At first, you go into the sewer, and then it comes onto the side scroller. And you get to beat each of the four Turtles. If you die, you, be, you pick Donnie and be Donnie or whatever. So I think it was the original one. Not sure. <laughs>
1: okay. All I remember about that Turtles game is that it, it was like the the video store box art. Where it had incredible box art. And then like just the most devastating gameplay ever.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it didn't seem easy. I got bored of it very quick. Or frustrated maybe is the better word. But my youngest or my oldest liked it. She like just... Mash around. I don't know what they were playing, but yeah, so I'm a gamer now, guys. No big deal. No big deal. I got, <laughs> a, I got a console upstairs, you know? <laughs> $20 <laughs> console. <laughs> but, anyways, let's talk some uh Godzilla vs. Kong. Legendary's monster universe looks like it's gonna continue to expand. So this kicked off in 2014, correct? With Godzilla, followed up with 2017's Kong Skull Island. 2019's Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and last year's pandemic success of Godzilla vs. Kong. So I ran through last year in preparation for Godzilla vs. Kong. I ran through all of those films and thoroughly enjoyed it. I had not seen any of them beyond the 2014 Godzilla, which I really like. But this universe is really cool. I'm really digging where they're going. They're embracing the concept of these massive monsters, kaijus, whatever you want to call them, and running away with it. The Titans are back. They're here to stay. And the success of Godzilla vs. Kong inside of the pandemic era, I think has led to them having a little bit more confidence in investing in this as an ongoing franchise. Because it looks like we're going to get a round two, as I've called it. I don't know if that's what the movie is going to be called. Probably not. But it looks like a follow-up or direct follow-up to Godzilla vs. Kong with both Godzilla and King Kong. And it is coming as it was recently announced. I believe, in The Hollywood Reporter or Deadline, maybe Variety, that they will be filming in Australia. And this was the first real confirmation that we were getting a follow-up inside of this franchise on the big screen. So very, very exciting there. Carlos, the Monsters universe. I think your experience has been relatively positive with it. I believe in an episode way back during mid-pandemic, we did touch on and discuss Godzilla vs Kong because I think it was an at-home viewing and I I do remember you enjoying that. Is this a universe you want to see more of, especially on the big screen?
1: Yeah, man i I absolutely love these movies. I I enjoyed the original like 2014 Godzilla or whatever it was, uh, well enough. But it, it really picked up steam for me with um, Skull Island and then King of the Monsters. Yes, King of the Monsters where... I think is the best. Yeah, it just it really hits its stride, and then yeah, Godzilla versus Kong was wonderful as well. Like they're just good, fun, um, entertaining movies, right? You get exactly what you signed up for, which is awesome. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited for this. I had no idea that they had something ready to go from yeah. the MonsterVerse, but uh, I'm excited. I'm excited that they're gonna get cameras rolling and these movies. They think have a relatively quick turnaround Mm -hmm. um and with these things they get infinitely cheaper and faster to do once you have those assets in place right like you don't have to build kong again and you don't have to build godzilla again so yeah i'm curious to see where they take it i thought the world that they set up at the end of king of the monsters is very interesting and leaves it open for so many cool things to do and so many avenues that you could take it. And I think like, honestly, the biggest issue with the monster movies is just making sure that you handle your human characters yeah. and the arcs that they're going on well. Um You know, where those movies struggle is sometimes hammering out the motivations of your human characters. So as long as you get that straight, I think the world's your oyster with what you can do with the monster movies. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for a sequel to this franchise.
0: Excellent. Yeah, me too, man. But that's not the only thing we're going to get inside of the monster universe. So let's take that excitement and ratchet up a little bit because it looks like back very quietly in January of this year, Apple TV Plus signed a deal with Legendary Pictures and the MonsterVerse to expand into the live-action tv series or streaming service series whatever you want to call it and no information as to exactly what this is going to be but it looks like we're going to get a in similar fashion to marvel and dc and stars everything that they're doing there in similar fashion to that we're going to get in the expansion of the monster universe into the tv the episodic nature of delivery there and i can't be more excited about that because i think that's a way that we can flesh out some of this human stuff that you've been talking about maybe monarch maybe build for what the next piece is from the fallout of potentially either King of the Monsters or probably and more likely Godzilla vs. King Kong. Uh, This is something I want to see more of. We can investigate Frozen Titans or whatever you want to call them. See what the humans are doing, how they're reacting, how they're developing all this, and also get to see the monster side of things. I think that's a piece of this that I'm not super clear on. But there does seem to be a relative promise, given it is this monster verse, that we are going to see something big. Like, I don't think we can have a whole human monster verse thing. There needs to be some of these titans involved in this. Do you agree with that? Or would you be cool with a monarch show that just chronicles them dealing with things on the periphery and having these monsters or them showing up to the rebel of another titan sort of encounter?
1: Yeah, I I think a bit of both in that, yeah, I would be down for like a fully monarch show or something showing how the humans are trying to coexist with the monsters. But as long as they sell it to me as that and don't give Mm. me the promise that Godzilla (laughs) is going to show up. And then in the last three minutes of the final episode of the series, I get Godzilla's back. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) so... Yeah, don't don't sell me on the promise of what it could be, but yeah, the a show set in the monsterverse is cool and I think you could play it a few different ways cuz you could go back in time and you could do it during the the 60s and 70s where they had set uh, oh, Skull cool. Island. Yeah. And you could do some of it in the post King of the Monsters world, so yeah, I'm I'm here for it. And I think there's lots of interesting things you can do and with things like the volume and with the money that Apple has at their disposal,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think you could have a hell of a show. So, uh, you know, Apple is in need of a killer IP. Like yeah, Ted Lasso is the only thing it's great, that they really but... have. Yeah, <laughs> but they don't have that big, glitzy, expensive show that, you know, all the other streamers have. So, yeah, if they want to put their mark on this thing, can't think of a better way to do it than with the monsterverse
0: mm-hmm. i'm digging that idea that you're putting out there about an anthology type of episodic approach to monarch where you go back and kind of explore through history their impact and their imprint on this universe and weave yourself into the early godzilla days what's going on yeah in the 40s and that in the 50s and up and through and weave them through the universe up until present day that could be really cool where you you i guess you wouldn't really have a main character that you run with or maybe you could but that would be that would be a good approach i like that man i like that apple tv plus harm my man carlos here (laughs) All right, sticking with the streaming service stuff here, we've got Apple TV Plus making a big jump. We've seen Disney Plus and HBO Max be very, very successful on their platforms as they get into their second and third years of running. They've found their footing, they've found their feet on what they can do, what sort of release schedule works which characters are, are really being impactful and actually getting beyond just being libraries, delivering new and consistently delivering new TV shows and movies that are well-received and something that everyone looks forward to. It seems that on the Disney Plus side, we're going to get all of these Marvel and TV shows. HBO Max is, is just killing it right now with Peacemaker and the announcements related to the Batman stuff. But it looks like Amazon is trying to, to really wedge their way into this. Because when you think about Amazon, Amazon Video or Amazon Prime Video isn't the first thing that comes to mind when you're thinking about your service to get free delivery is how I think most of us think an Amazon Video is a nice tack on, but definitely not one that we scroll through in the same way we scroll through Disney+. Plus and crave or netflix right and it looks like amazon now they've been doing this this deal with mgm we've spoken about this before this deal has been going on for a lot while but it looks like it is officially complete from what we can see and from the reporting out there so an 8.5 billion dollar purchase of mgm now the things that people remember mgm for the lion roaring at the front and james bond right it's a very old thing it used to be mgm studios down in disney that's kind of how i remember mgm i couldn't tell you much of their library except for things like rocky uh what else is there bond i think robocop is mgm if i'm not mistaken so a favorite there of carlos's um things like pink panther stargate so there's stuff there but it looks like Amazon intends to, I think, keep the MGM studio production side on tap and going, but also integrate it in some form into what I would assume is their streaming service platform with the library, at least, that it will deliver, coming with things like the the 40 Bond films or whatever there are. But it looks mm-hmm. like Amazon is not planning on making any changes to the MGM content or making it exclusive to prime video. So you'll still be able to access it and buy it in other places and all that. Uh, the theatrical stuff, Amazon is intending to continue supporting all theatrical releases. So this isn't kind of a, we're going to pull everything and put it on, uh, Amazon prime. And right now there's no changes to the bond franchise. So they're going to still progressing forward with that. That's the, the big crown jewel of this purchase, I guess, is that IP. So this being a tack on to your delivery service, now with this big price tag behind it, we've got things like the Lord of the Rings coming to Amazon Prime. They're starting to move in this environment. Can't they still keep this as a, quote unquote, free chunk of Amazon? Or do you foresee this being a paid uplift that we're gonna have to to, to basically sub into to get access to some of this stuff?
1: Can they? Yeah, absolutely they can because Amazon makes money hand over fist. So, yeah. (laughs) Will they, maybe? (laughs) Yeah. Could they give this as a nice bonus to people that already give them far too much money? Yes. Mm -hmm. Will they? No. (laughs) I I think that it's just an inevitability for when they tell you you're either going to have to have a surcharge for Amazon Prime Video Or with their weird channels thing and subscriptions within the service uh, setup that they have where the MGM stuff will be behind a a paywall that you have to pay X amount for or you have your Bond channel where you pay for that or your Lord of the Rings channel where you pay for Lord of the Rings type stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that there will be some kind of fee to access all these new things that are either a coming or some of this library content. Yeah. Um, they will still be making money on some of that library stuff. Cause I think it, a lot of it is leased out to different streamers and mm-hmm. different TV stations and all that kind of stuff. Right. So you'll still be able to watch your, your Rocky movies on those Saturday afternoon TNT marathons <laughs> yeah, or right? whatever it is. But <laughs> Every holiday
0: uh, ever in the U S
1: <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Yeah, it is coming. There's no way that that's going to be completely free forever after they paid money to get it.
0: Well, exactly. Like $8.5 billion is a bit of a drop in the hat for a trillion-dollar company, but it also is a company that's there to make money inevitably. And I I do agree with you that I think that some of this stuff's going to end up behind some sort of paywall where you need to up your subscription to Amazon Prime Plus or whatever to get access to things like this because – when you look at this and then also the investment that they've made into the Lord of the Rings show, that's going to run what four or five seasons they've committed to like billion dollars to get that up and running. I, I just don't know if they can continue to offer it as a secondary piece of your delivery service, right? It just doesn't make sense as a business model. And I even went on to Amazon today. It's not even a convenient click to get to Amazon prime video, at least through a computer or a phone or whatever, right? Like Maybe they have an app. I don't know. But I went into like just on my computer before we started talking here. And I had to, you have to like dig for it. It's not just like I click to get to the video part.
1: Yeah. Like I I have the app set up on my phone and Apple TV and everything else. So I I even have it on my PlayStation. So I I can get into it easy enough. Mm -hmm. But I just, like you said, it's it's a bit of an afterthought. And i almost never use it and then the few times that i do go searching for stuff that they only carry it's behind like some other subscription where it's like buy stack tv and i'm like no yeah well
0: that's it's funny you say that because i was looking and i could have swore there was already an mgm paywall built into them but i went looking at the bond films and they were just rent or whatever but i i During the pandemic, I remember looking and I remember thinking like, oh, they've already built a paywall into this stuff, this MGM stuff. So I couldn't find it. Maybe it does exist. But, yeah, Yeah. I think it'll just be another tier.
1: Yeah, like the Bond and Rocky films right now, ironically, I think both of those uh, franchises are all on HBO. Okay. Like they're on on Crave up here for sure because I watched them not that long ago. So... Um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious to see what comes of it. I, I personally don't see myself subscribing to, to that. Like I'll probably just buy the Craig Bond movies when they Mm. do the inevitable box set and I'll be happy with that. And I own a bunch of the other stuff anyways. So
0: yeah, this, this MGM purchase doesn't, it wouldn't get me through a paywall. The Lord of the Rings stuff probably would that show yeah
1: i don't know nah <laughs> I, i'm game for uh,
0: i had to i would give it a chance for a month at least y- I think. you
1: can go to middle earth man I'll, i'm gonna stick on the continent <laughs> with, uh, with my witchers i'll just hang there
0: all right i'll let you know how it is Ben. i think it comes out <laughs> in september or something like that or at least the fall but yeah i don't they probably would have announced a paywall for that if there was going to be that that seems to be like their flagship piece that they're putting out there to, to relaunch or to properly launch. This is being a competitive streaming service to the likes of Disney plus and HBO max and all that. So it'll be interesting to see how they, they build this out because the other services that we all subscribe to are doing similar things when it comes to making different tiers and paywalls to access different things. We walked into Disney plus at like nine 99 a month or whatever it was, seven 99 a month, maybe in the States, very reasonable. Netflix, I think when we first started subbing to it, it, was like $8.99 a month. And we've seen those steady rises and steady increases into tiers now, where Disney Plus is now talking about doing an ad-supported subscription model where you can pay less, but there's ads of some sort. So you have all your advertising companies wanting in on this exclusive model where you have a hundred million plus subscribers and you can throw your ad up there. There's some serious dollars to be made in that place, because that's something that is missing from the monetization scheme inside of the streaming services, as well as exposure from your marketing companies. So it looks like Disney's talking about doing that in the latter part of 2022 and then internationally in 2023. We've already seen a price hike on Netflix up here in Canada, I believe. If not already, it is coming upwards of $2 and they're now splitting things like HD and 4K content out of that and so there's been a, a slow and steady hike for all of these streaming services and bringing in new and different tiers to get access to different versions of the libraries or of the new content. Now, when I'm talking about Amazon Prime, Apple TV+, Plus, we touched on the Monster Universe, we've got Disney, Netflix, Crave, HBO Max, whatever you want to call it up here. There's a lot coming at us, Carlos. And with increasing prices the way that they're going, is it feasible for all of us to have all of these services now do we do we do you see a future where what we did with cable a year or so ago and basically said this isn't for us anymore we're going exclusively to this cuz it's somewhat cheaper and better content now we're talking about you know you start to iron this out you're we're close to 100 bucks a month when you talk about disney netflix crave i guess you don't really count amazon but apple or whatever and anything new, if you want to get Peacock or any of these other things, Hulu down in the States, it started to creep up there, man, between 50 and and $100 a month for your streaming services.
1: 50 to to $100 a month and a bunch of ad-supported stuff? So it's cable. Basically. All, <laughs> all of a sudden, all over again.
0: Here we are. We're back to cable. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> we just it's escaped fun. cable. <laughs>
1: I know, like some of us more recently than others. But uh, yeah, honestly, man, like... I, it's interesting that you brought this up tonight because like I've been doing a lot of soul searching with the with the different streaming services and I actually ended up axing Apple TV Plus mm-hmm. because we just hadn't watched it for like three months. And so after Ted Lasso had finished off, I was mm-hmm. like, well, whatever. Like I can always just add it back. But I I axed that one Um like Disney Plus, the one hundred twenty five dollar renewal was a bit of a kick in the pants. I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, because I think it was like seventy nine bucks when we first signed up. I was, was ninety nine
0: here. The- I think it was a hundred bucks flat. I believe so. It was less, okay. than, it was less than ten bucks a month. I do remember that.
1: Okay, yeah. So that was a bit of a kick. That one, I don't know there was a time where I would be pretty inclined to just let it go. Like I haven't loved a ton of the stuff on there until we got star plus Mm. after we got all that star plus, like essentially they've put Hulu built Hulu into the Mm -hmm. Disney plus service up here. Um, I fell in love with it. Like I actually use it tons now, but I almost watched nothing from the OG Disney Mm -hmm. plus side of things. It's all star plus Type things or shows that I never got to because there were just Hulu shows in the in the US. So, yeah, I I quite enjoy Disney Plus now, and I feel like I'm getting value for my money because for a while it was just like one one of the kids was using it exclusively. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I like that one. Honestly, Netflix is kind of on the bubble. Me I've too. Redu- yeah, I've reduced Netflix down to the most plain Jane version of it where it's like SD Vanilla one account. And it was a bit of an experiment. Like I did it on the slide to see if we'd actually run into issues with people using it on multiple devices and all that kind of stuff. I think once. And at that point in time I had reduced it down for like two or three months at that point in time. (laughs) I was like, yeah, there's no need for us to pay the extra eight or $10 or whatever it was. So, yeah, I'm down to the most vanilla version of it, and I'm like, well, if I could just have Netflix for like a month every Christmas and watch the newest Witcher content, then <laughs> why wouldn't I do that? Because we're, we're not watching a ton on there. Although that um, that could be a bit of a fight if I if I completely axe Netflix. So it, it's safe for now. We'll see.
0: It's Netflix, is a tough one because mm. I I have to admit that I've contemplated that as well. But every so often something comes along it's like yeah, this is this is cool. My wife and I watched the Adam Project this weekend and really enjoyed it and it's something mm-hmm. I'd, I'd never seen a trailer for I did not know it was coming. I heard a little bit of buzz online about it and then boom it's there on Netflix. I think the thing that that Netflix like outside of I guess your stranger things and a couple IPS they built, they don't have like a, or maybe they do and I just don't I'm not tuned into it but like this major foundational thing like a Marvel or a Star Wars, or a dc you know what i mean like or hbo which is like very well known for creating adult oriented content that is really good yeah netflix is just kind of this smattering of stuff it's got like coco melon on it that is heavily watched in my house and random documentaries that i like it works for me sometimes but it's more for me right now it's more the kids that use the netflix stuff and it's shows like that are spirit and Coco Melon that half the parents might know what those are that are listing. But I don't know. It it is one for me that I find I meander about and find gems once in a while, but it's definitely not something that I consistently go to the same way that we go to Disney plus.
1: Yeah, for me, like I'm not like Disney plus is probably the best example of it. Like I watch no Marvel or star Wars or any, content on there like mm. outside of the show if we didn't do this podcast i probably wouldn't watch any of those shows type of thing <laughs> until moon night came up but um like i do like those adult dramas like dope sick or like right now i'm watching american crime story and stuff like that like those are the type of things that i enjoy and that really drive me to hbo max or crave up here and netflix has those type of offerings yeah. and when they're Good, like the Queen's Gambit, they're excellent,
0: yes, really, really good.
1: But man, when they're bad or when they're like middling, there's always like this thirty percent Netflix bloat to their shows and movies. More, their movies are more guilty of it than their shows. But they're just, they just don't seem to be there. It's like mm-hmm. you you watch stuff on Crave or even like the Amazon Prime shows. Um, uh, there, there's just an efficiency to them and. Like with Netflix, I think because they're so reluctant to have their creatives employ editors to any great degree, they there's just, yeah, this lack of refinement to them. And I just find that, I don't know, they, they just kind of lag behind. And it, it's you put up with it for a while, but then once, like I said, once Star came on the, the map, mm-hmm. it, you'd tolerate it before because there was nothing else. It's like... I've watched all the stuff on HBO Max that I want to watch. So, yeah, might as well watch whatever the newest Netflix offering is and uh, take it for what it is. But now that I have the Star Plus
0: offerings, it's like, well, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm not really dipping that way. So,
0: No, and Netflix always seems to be a bit more of quantity over quality, mm-hmm. where your HBO Max is kind of the inverse of that where their whole thing is we have new content every single week almost. And so it's good, yeah. but what that means is, like you said, you've got a lot of bloat on there. You've got a lot of stuff that's just there to say that it's there, that we've built yeah. our library. We have X amount of minutes of content that you can watch. And some of it's good and some of it's not. And I find that Netflix over the past, they seem to buy libraries from places overseas. And mm-hmm. then it's English dubbed, which drives me nuts. Like just play it in its original language and subtitles. Like, I, I don't like that because we'll get on a show and you start watching it. Like, so they, they seem to have bought um potentially, like, a an Indian studio. And there's some shows that we went to watch with my daughter that have, like, young girls in them or whatever. And they're all dubbed and the mouth's all off. And it just makes it very difficult to watch. And just just release it in its original form, original language and subtitle it. My daughter mm-hmm. can read. It's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and kudos to them for looking to those type of areas for – um the next uh bits of programming and mm-hmm. things that you know w- the world would have never found squid game without netflix taking risks like that so oh definitely
0: yeah, yeah. i think they they are diversifying in a very positive way but squid game is, is a great example we watched that in korean neither of us speak mm-hmm. korean but just subtitled it and i think the nuances of the performance come across a lot better
1: yeah yeah we watched it dubbed and uh, there was definitely things that really hurt that experience with just mm. the, the English voice actors and whatnot. So I do wish we had watched it dubbed, but, or not dubbed, but subtitled. Mm. But as I learned, uh, you know, I, I, do like to enjoy a drink in the evening and, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it, it can become difficult as I learned this weekend <laughs> to, to, to read and drink <laughs> and, and to read and drink. Yes. <laughs>
0: hilarious well it's going to be interesting to see how this this all evolves because this is a space that we've had a a particularly close watch on over the last couple years given the pandemic and the real shift that we saw and focus on these streaming services and how they gained a lot of momentum and popularity as these became a hub for people to gather around because they were still putting out new content or they had pretty deep libraries and it's going to be really cool to see how those evolve now that We've sort of leveled out a little bit when it comes to the pandemic and the movie theater experience is alive and very well when you look at some of the big movies like No Way Home and The Batman. And we aren't going to be shifting over to this hybrid model. It doesn't look like maybe a short and release window, but they seem to have to, to continue to build on their own without the support of these big franchise films that are meant for the theater experience being dropped directly on to the streamers. So gonna to have to plow ahead. I'd be really interested, you know, in a in a parallel universe or whatever in the multiverse. Are we this far ahead with the streaming services? Did the pandemic change anything? Do you think? Or would we still be here in the very the exact same spot without the pandemic with these streaming services? Because my initial thought is, yeah, we would probably be exactly here, but like the likes of Black Widow or the Batman coming out in 45 days on HBO Max probably wouldn't be a thing. But, you know, does HBO Max look any different without the pandemic?
1: Yeah, I I think their launch goes off a lot differently Mm -hmm. than than it did. They're probably the anomaly, though. Um, HBO Max, uh, there's there's certain streamers that I think accelerated their plans, uh, not wanting to be left behind and kind of seeing how rapidly the streaming space was evolving during the first kind of year, 18 months of the pandemic. But I think as we come out on the other side of it, there's going to be a leveling off and mm-hmm. who knows, you might see a consolidation of some of these services or.
0: Yeah. Team ups. Yeah. Avengers style of gathering of streaming services. Who knows? Who yeah. Knows what- <laughs>
1: so far, the only casualty is what, what was that one? Quibi? Quibi a deal.
0: Took a quick nosedive. Well, there's so much money behind some of these too, right? And mm-hmm. they're positioned to not fail because of that. Like your Amazons and your Apples, and I, like they might dwindle, but they're certainly not going to to fail in the same way. Like Disney Plus is here to stay. Like that's that's forever, guys. Disney Plus is going to be here forever.
1: <laughs> yeah, there won't be a bankruptcy or anything like that with any of these. But yeah, they they could. Stop generating, or they could be enough of a loss mm. that they, they shutter them, kind of thing. I, I don't think Disney Plus is in jeopardy or that, but no, you know, <laughs> something like Apple TV Plus, mm-hmm. Apple might just say it's not worth our time to keep doing it. Yeah. Like, they're not going to go bankrupt from it, or no, Amazon Prime, same the, thing.
0: That might be the $3 a month Apple charge that I get that I didn't, I can't figure out what the hell it's for. <laughs>
1: Uh, your cloud service maybe. Cause I think it's five bucks a month. Oh, maybe it's, I don't know.
0: I got like three Apple charges that come through. I noticed last week, I was like, I have no idea what these are for.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. So who knows? Who knows? Apple, take my money every which way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's, let's that wraps up the news for this week. I know we stuck with the beyond and I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed taking a little diversion take on, on our week to week and, and stepping back cause next week, or we'll be building into moon Knight, and then eventually into obi-wan and all these movies so we've, we've got a lot there so i'm glad that we took a, a moment to stop in in the beyond but it is time to move over to a little bit of that plastic chat for the week in our week in nerd. <laughs> Okay, it is time for my favorite segment of the week, our final segment for the podcast. And that is our Weekend Nerd, where we talk about our latest pickups, our plastic anxiety, what we're watching, what we're reading. So, Carlos, indulge me a little bit. What's been going on in your world over the last week when it comes to collecting? Uh, the
1: Batman. Yes. I've, uh, yeah, made my way to the theater. <laughs> You know, I would had a hard, long, hard week, and uh, Friday, I was just like, you know what, you guys got stuff going on, and uh going to eat an early dinner and slide out and go watch the Batman again. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I, I ended up seeing it in, like, um, a Dolby theater, and that was probably the best experience I had. Like, it was just, the picture was just so freaking clear. And, um, and it was hilarious. Like, I, I actually went by myself, but then, like, this this kid rolls up next to me and he looked like he could be my son. And then there was another guy that came by himself and he looked like a version of my best buddy from junior high school. <laughs> and I was like, hey, it's like I'm not here alone at all. We're like a little group. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I really the, – the Dolby experience by far was the, the best one for the Batman. Like I think I've seen it in all the formats now um, outside of like the crazy – uh, amusement park ride seats and all that kind of thing because that's that's just not my speed but uh, yeah it had really clear picture and just crisp sound and yeah I thoroughly enjoyed myself going to see it again and, um, and who knows we might sneak a, another viewing or two in Uh, between now and then. But it's like, I swear there's like subliminal messages in that freaking soundtrack because you listen to it and you want nothing more than to drop what you're doing and to run to the theater.
0: (laughs) got it in the car and you just turn towards Landmark.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly, man. So, yeah. And then that led to just wanting to get a bit of plastic in my hands. and, And I jumped the gun. Like, I went out on Sunday and... Went to like a little figure shop, and it's a little family-run spot, and I don't know. I, I went in there, and I was—it's one of those where you feel bad leaving empty-handed, type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I was gonna buy like a, a, a the Batman figure and just get an extra and maybe play around with with a couple customizing things or whatever, but uh they didn't have one. And the lady was, like, trying really hard to find one for me. So I was like, oh, shoot, i got to buy something. So I ended up just buying the freaking G.I. Joe classified snake eyes because I saw it there. They had one. And I was like, ah, you know what, I've not been looking for it. But at the same time, I'd always kind of said, ah, if I find it in the wild, I'll buy it. So I was like, I don't need this. I don't know what I'll do with it. But you know what, I like you people, so I'll I'll buy this figure, so... (laughs) I brought him home and then I was like, oh, I'll slide by Toys R Us. And uh, they actually had uh, a couple patents in Batmans there. And um, I grabbed one and I, yeah, just playing around with some low-key customization stuff. I bought a few new paints and whatnot. And yeah, just these are a work in progress and just playing around. But I got a few cool little effects on them. I based the color for the costume off of our boy Javi. He had taken some pictures at the, uh, South by Southwest when they had the costumes in the car on display and whatnot. So yeah, I pulled up the pictures that he had taken for his little video and whatnot and his article and used those as the basis for it. So went with a bit lighter color scheme because that's what the pictures look like. And yeah, we'll, we'll see how he ultimately ends up coming out, but yeah, I'm in no rush and just playing around with a few different paint effects and whatnot. And some of them work and ones that didn't work, it, yeah, Back into the back into the dip and strip them off and try All something right. else. So yeah, I uh, he's the extra. So it is what it is. So got that and uh, yeah, bats and snake eyes. And then Monday I got the call and the unmasked Lena Kyle had come in. So
0: oh, wicked.
1: Yeah, went and picked her up and they actually did a really good job of converting Zoe Kravitz's face into plastic. So. Uh, I quite like that I do wish that she didn't have the mask at the top of her head and that they'd given her the hair just I really like how she looked with that short hair mm-hmm. and the the costume in the movie so um but uh, that's far beyond my skills. I did plant the seed in Troy's head that he should try his <laughs> hand at uh doing Zoe with the short hair don't care but uh let's see what happens with that so yeah but that was my weekend nerd man just uh, a few fig pickups and a bit of playing around with uh, couple customizing things getting my feet uh my feet wet again with that but
0: yeah yeah look i i got a little bit of an early preview of i guess the little sunday project you're doing with the batman there and i gotta say man i freaking loved it well oh, thanks it. man like, there's just little pieces you added i'm not gonna give any of it away i'll let you reveal that when when you're comfortable but i to me the effect that you added on i'm gonna say the torso Blew me away, man! It blew me away. I would just, oh, I thanks, zoomed dude. in on that and I was like, "Whoa, this looks so cool!" And I wish they had added that to the figure, to be honest, in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: it's one of those with the with the small figures you end up being at risk of turning your giving yourself arthritis or going blind. But uh <laughs> <laughs> so I can see why they didn't do it at the factory level. But uh yeah, it. Uh, I'm I'm happy with how it's kind of coming along and. And I'm also happy to just kind of pick away at it. I, I'm pretty bad for trying to get everything done in one sitting. So with this, I was just like, nope, I got got the figure that I like and uh, just pick away at this guy and put him down for a while and then come back
0: to him. I oh, gotta love it, man. Yeah. A little Sunday afternoon project. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. Oh, well, so I teased last week that I had a little something that I was chasing, a, a bit of a grail piece, a bigger purchase that I was very excited about. So I did go up to Snap Collectibles here in Airdrie, Alberta. It is about half an hour north of me, and we got a good friend, Dave, that, that runs the shop. And he had something that him and I had exchanged some pictures and some discussion over Instagram. It was from our last visit. I did notice it, this being the 1989 TMNT Sewer Lair playset. Now, this is something that I did not have as a kid, but I lusted after for years, years and years. Being a Big Turtles guy, I never had any of the big, big play I had the van, I had the pizza throw, and I had all the figures. But the play sets were something that always eluded me as a kid, and I've been wanting this for so long. And the fact that I got the 1990 Technodrome a few weeks ago, as I chronicled, this thing I had my eye on. So I was talking to him about pieces. This thing's got like a dozen or more pieces, maybe 15 different pieces that come off. So when you look at them on the eBay and when you look at them in vintage options and all that, they're usually missing a lot of this stuff. Like a lot of this is very, very small stuff. You've got like the sewer ball that Shredder throws in. You've got sewer tops. You've got little things that swing, lots of little pieces that come with this. And so it is harder to find a complete one and you do pay for a complete one. And so I was up there and the pitchers weren't doing it for me. So I went up and had a good chat with him. He brought it down. We went through it together I looked at it. It is missing one piece on the side that controls the elevator. And he had a price on it. Didn't love the price, but him and I were able to work out something. Dave's really good about this, especially for for people that are going up there and spending money like (laughs) you and I do. But we were able to agree on the sewer playset. So I do now have another Turtle Grail piece added to the collection. I've knocked two big Turtle Ones off this year with the sewer playset and the Technodrome. So I am stoked to have this in the collection. And so much so that I did make a vlog style video that will be going up the same day as this podcast. So you can kind of experience Dave's shop. You can experience a little bit of the discussion, not so much focused on this, but you do get to see pictures of it. And I've got a video of me going through it here when I have it back home. So you can experience that more in real time. I won't go through all of the details here, but no, that a grail has entered the nerd room here and i spent as as carlos and i were exchanging text message on sunday i did spend as a you do with these with Q q-tip rubbing alcohol magic eraser getting in there and scrubbing this thing down scrubbing a lot of the play off of it the scuff marks and it is remarkable what you can do with a a little bit of tlc on these things and you can make them shine and look almost brand new so I I again having a yet another Grail piece enter here has just been fantastic. This thing, it's as awesome as I as I remember it as a kid. I have to say,
1: man, that's awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, you got the box with that one too, which is amazing. Yes,
0: yes. I guess I forgot to mention that. Yeah, the box came with it with the instructions. And even the sticker, like all the stickers are off it, but like that thing, not, not really a big deal, but the box is this big, nice box. The back's a little beat up, but the front is pretty pristine. So I don't know exactly how I'm going to display the box. I'd probably go into the storage room for a little bit until I find space for it, but it was kind of a cool, nice supplement. I probably paid a little bit of an uplift to have the box with it being a almost complete set. And the nice thing Dave said too, he was going to chase down those extra pieces for me and not really charge any uplift on it either. So um, effectively selling me a, a complete sewer set for a very reasonable price, I will say. Ian, I know you want to know how much, but I'm never going to tell you. Never going to tell you. But Man,
1: you can't feed Ian's FOMO. Just don't don't feed the beast. Yeah. <laughs> don't feed the beast.
0: So it's it's been a turtle-heavy couple of weeks. And one thing I will say, as I get up into shops like that, as I watch other collectors pick up things from toy shows and all this, I have this severe amount of plastic anxiety. I don't know what to do with myself anymore because I literally got this sewer set home and I'm already chomping at the bit for the next thing. I'm looking (laughs) at, okay, do I need to go to the van? Do I need to refocus back to the 94 JP stuff? But wait, I want to pick up a whole bunch more episode one figures because I absolutely love that cheap stuff. Like it's just amazing. But I'm really back into the vintage Star Wars as well. I don't know what to do with myself, Carlos. I can't afford it. I know, man. I know. It's the way it goes. I,
1: I literally, yesterday, this morning maybe, I was like, you know what? I'm happy. I'm legitimately happy that they pushed the Flash to next year because I don't think I could handle the the the
0: Keaton Batman on top of the Pattinson Batman financially. It's, it's been a go, man. And like to add to all this Turtle craziness, NECA today, March 22nd, as we record, Turtle Tuesday, they dropped their two-week pre-order for the NECA four-pack for Secret of the Ooze, the video, of the VHS-looking big thing, and their accessory pack, which is like 210 US dollars that I'm going to have to commit to here in the next two <laughs> weeks, <laughs> plus freaking shipping. You know, I think fair enough price for what you're getting, but it's just like, got two huge turtle retro purchases. And I can't miss out on this because once it's gone, it's gone guys with this NECA stuff. They've given us a nice two week open period, no limits. Well, I guess no, like they're not going to run out of figures. It is produced to whatever capacity they have here. And these will likely eventually in a year or two's time be released in two packs or whatever. So you can probably get your hands on them, but there will be this exclusive VHS thing. I can't miss out on it. So I got to pull the trigger on that too.
1: You got to do it while, uh, yeah, while opportunity knocks and then, you know, just pay Mr. MasterCard back on the back end. But yeah, yeah, yeah those timed editions are nice. In fact, Bottleneck just did probably yes. one of the sweetest the Batman posters that I've seen released. Phantom City Creative just crushed it with their kind of Batman bust on the question mark um, kind of puzzle piece bottom and perfectly encapsulated that film with like kind of the Riddler and so, Selina yeah marked in there so yeah i think i don't know if you picked it up i know troy picked it up once i sent him the really oh one. good for him yeah 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 it's
0: um and unfortunately didn't make the cut i'm sorry man
1: oh no it's it's fine but I yeah that to, was a
0: but i added everything up and i was like this prince got to take a back seat unfortunately <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah you took a big swing this weekend so yeah i get it i get it but,
0: yeah, exciting stuff, guys. As always, we'd love to hear what you guys are picking up. I know I promised a while back that we'd talk about some listener stuff, and I'm still trying to figure that one out. That might be more of a YouTube thing we will see in the future because I love talking about toys. I love collecting toys, and I'm 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 literally obsessed with it more so than ever. <laughs> it's yeah. a, it's, I'm not going broke, guys, or anything like that. I, I'm exaggerating a little bit. I'm very conscious of it, but I'm obsessed with collecting toys right now. Absolutely obsessed, and I love it. It's great. I looked at my wife yeah. the other day and I said, "You know what? I love collecting toys." And she says, "I'm happy you have a hobby." <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's there's worse vices, worse oh, vices yes. for sure.
0: Yes, and the worst the the the, the worst case scenario, right? You, you can flip this stuff back if you really want. Not everything. Like I don't know if you're gonna make money off of Black Series figures, but some of this retro stuff and. And some of the more higher ends, you, you can always sell it, right? You can always make most of your money back um, if you ran, ran up on hard times or, or really got out of it uninterested in it anymore. If you bought it on a whim and decide, oh, shoot, I should not have bought this.
1: Yeah, except for those Eternals figures, man. You own those for life.
0: Yeah, and that's okay. My, my daughters will throw them out someday. <laughs> what is this? Why does dad have a Angelina Jolie action figure? <laughs> Anyways, that wraps it up for this week. Another great episode. Another great segment there with our Weekend Nerd. And we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We're going to be back to some of the more Marvel-heavy stuff and DC-heavy stuff as we get into some of the uh, the big things coming up here. One being Moon Knight and then the month of Star Wars, of course, is coming up. With May and Multiverse of Madness. Lots of stuff happening here. April, the month of Mor- Morbius or whatever it's called. Mobius maybe. Maybe he gets his own movie. Who knows? But anyways, guys, yeah. we will be back at it next Thursday. All things stars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. If you want to be a bigger part of those conversations, you can always email us at thenearroom at gmail.com. You can find everything we do kind of over at nerdroom.net. The Hunt is real, and it's over on Instagram. You can find posts from myself, Carlos, and Ian on what we were finding, what we were picking up across our various hunts. We have also got YouTube. We're continuing to build that out. You will see my vlog on the sewer layer purchase going up on Friday. Or no, Thursday, I should say. And you've got all of our other videos, including all the Batman coverage that we have done over the last couple of weeks. Ian just uploaded a McFarlane unboxing of... I believe two Batman figures and a Robin figure. So lots of stuff going up there. Very, very toy and collecting focus of course, and Twitter. You can find us there some of the time. Now I'm not on there as much as I used to be of taking a step back from Twitter, but I always do check it at least once a day. So you can find our handles at the end of the episode. So ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you being here every week with us and enjoying nerd and sharing nerd and all those experiences with us,
1: but, and, Apologies to any avatar fans out oh, there. Yes, we yes. meant no offense. No offense. We love you. But if but, you are uh, out
0: there, I would love to hear from you. I would love yeah. to see your, your collection. If there's someone out there listening that has it, like a substantial or even like a relatively small avatar collection, I would I would absolutely legitimately love to see it. So tag us at the NerdRM on Instagram or Twitter wherever, use the hashtag we the nerd and and let us know. I, I'm I'm actually quite intrigued that you now that you said that if someone exists out there.
1: Well, yeah, I I hate being uh, negative Nancys, but uh, yeah, it just at the I also don't like being dishonest. You get you get the genuine article here, like yes. honestly, that's what it's The old. Carlos you get on the show is like eighty nine percent the Carlos you get when you meet me in real life.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I love the eighty nine point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, until <laughs> next week for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim, and I'm Batman. Thank you guys so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sunjabi, and CDN, R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out the TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.